Hello humans, welcome to The Frontline, a leadership and business podcast brought to you by Peregrine Corporate Services, an Isle of Man based fiduciary provider. My name is Martin Hall and thanks for listening. Today I'm joined by Ross from IR Global. Thanks for joining me today, Ross. Thank you. Pleased to be here, Martin. So as I say, with most guests, to, to get a bit of background on yourself, early days, where, where were you born and where did you raise and go to school? I was born and raised here in sunny Birmingham in the UK. You can perhaps detect uh, by the accent. Um, so I lived here uh, all my life. Um, uh, spent most of my career uh, in and around the Midlands, although I have uh, worked overseas extensively in the last sort of 20 years, I guess. Uh, lived in France uh, for a short period of time. Um, but yeah, schooled around here. Before I worked at IR Global, I worked in industrial electrical engineering, um, almost industrial IT, uh, for a number of years. Okay. I spent a lot of time uh, sort of overseas making computers, talk to other computers uh, and machines. Um, but that really led me to get a, a good understanding of what people are looking for, not only from their advisors, but also learning about different cultures um, and actually learning that many cultures, when it comes to business, are, are very similar. I think people have a, uh, maybe an expectation that they think it's so much different to do business, you know, whether they're from France or Germany or the UK or, or, or even Asia. And in my experience, yes, there are some differences, but I think when you strip it back, most people, have, uh, certainly in professional services and what they're looking for, are, you know, do have the same expectations. So what was that type of IT infrastructure, just being nosy? Um, it was mainly wireless technology, and it was, in terms of industrial IT, it was making automated systems communicate with each other. So if you had, say, a large factory over sort of multiple sites if you had to wire all those sites and dig up the road and run cables everywhere it would be incredibly expensive whereas if you had wireless technology to communicate with buildings to control the sort of temperature to control machinery um, you could do that and obviously there's a cost involved in that but it, it saves a lot of time and money by being able to use wireless technology so i'd have to go overseas and sort of survey buildings and factories and then put together a plan and then sell that to you know, various uh, large scale um, end users, particularly in things like food, automotive, um, where you need large sites, uh, but you still need a, a huge amount of control and security. But a lot of people want to centralize those things. So you do that by you know, automation and technology, but primarily wireless technology. So different to what I do now. Yeah, and I assume uh, that was quite... Uh quite interesting in regard to constantly different projects while the underlying principles of what you're doing is the same, just understanding those businesses and how they, how they work in the different, different areas and industries. Yes. Yes. Um, absolutely. Um, but again, fundamentally, and I guess it's perhaps the same within the industry, you, as long as you're providing clear information and you're setting clear guidelines and t- clear timelines and costings, if the will's there, um, then you should be able to get things done. But I think to try and keep things as simple as possible, in the same in, in many aspects of business, um, that's, that's really the key. But yeah, you've got to have a, 
understand in the first instance if they've got if they've got the money if they've got the will if they understand what they're doing but you know that's that's your job or that was my job you know prior yeah. to working at IR global it's, it's interesting then because then you look at one of our key aspects we talk to people about is communication and i guess that's that's you know fundamental to that part whether it's across language as well as well i guess as well you know you're presenting something the interpretation in different languages maybe yes like, you know, different as well and their challenges i'm sure yeah and you know it, it, as an english person yeah and you know we're, we're terrible with languages ourselves you don't actually realize how often you you're talking in uh, in, in almost in riddles uh, you know saying something like oh are we all singing from the same hymn sheet now if you said that to somebody in, in france or germany you don't even realize what it is that you're actually saying but they're trying to decipher that information yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to speak and particularly write in, in clear in clear english so sometimes you know you want to be all wordy because you think oh that makes me sound really intelligent well actually it doesn't because you're only just sort of confusing somebody yeah so, interesting really and and particularly write in plain english and actually spread out your paragraphs as well writing a lot more paragraphs because people this is what i learned from overseas even though their english is exemplary they understand it so much better if they are reading in, in short paragraphs yeah interesting and I, only this morning i was listening to it uh, listening to it, an audio book a psychology book and they were talking about writing and how how it's important you can present present language in different ways as in just how it looks from the font to make sure people engage with it rather than skim it so you might make it more slightly more blurry because it, it makes people use the have to look at it and focus on it sure. to their yeah, yeah. rather than skim it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah very interesting yeah. yeah absolutely and then just so before we get on to sort of present day and and, and, our, and i are global outside of work what's your what's your what do you get up to popping your bmx that i've seen uh, yeah, well, I do like, uh, I'm a, I was born in the 70s, but really a child of the 80s. So yeah, BMX is, uh, is still a, a passion of mine. Um, but I have a, a young family. I have uh, seven-year-old twin daughters. So uh, they take a fair amount of my time. But I, mean, I like my sports, I like my football, I like my sort of 20th century social political history, quizzing, um, a lot of history. Also, you know, a guy that likes to, to go out for a beer uh, with his pals uh, once in a while, but I guess, you know, uh, fairly boring. Married man with two kids. Oh, <laughs> that keeps you busy. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong yeah, with that. Yeah, I know. So, so IR Global, you talk about a bit about your role there at the moment. Yeah, so IR Global. Um, for those what they are, yeah. Expand. We are a professional services network dealing with lawyers, accountants, and corporate finance and other specialist financial advisors. And we've got roughly about a thousand members globally in, a, in 155 jurisdictions. Um, we've worked with, alongside you guys for, for a number of years. And the idea is that you as uh, financial advisors, you're looking to work with lawyers, you're looking to work with accountants, and you're looking to build partnerships around the world and it's for you know boutiques and mid-sized firms, firms that have a good reputation locally, but who are looking to grow their cross-border business and build partnerships with other other like-minded firms around the world. So that's really our job. It's really for firms to sort of grow and network uh, amongst themselves, primarily to say to their clients, "Look, Mr. Client, in a in a globalized world, 
yes, we can help you locally, but by the way, if you do have some requirements or you do need to, some advice or you do need partnerships in Asia, in Europe, in the US, uh, you know, wherever it may be, we're part of a, a bigger group, a bigger community that, 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 can, that can assist them. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's really the goal of what we're looking to do. It's actually our 10 year anniversary. Uh, it was last month actually. Um, so, you know, it's a, a special, special time for us. Uh, and yeah, we've been, we've been doing well and it's a, it's a nice story. And what, what made you change from, you know, IT, IT infrastructure to. <laughs> it's a good, it's a, it's a good question. Well, uh, some of the, I mean, I did a lot of work at conferences. I did a lot of work, uh, with advisors. Uh, I spent a lot of time overseas. So there was some synergy there, but primarily, I mean, I was actually, I was actually really unhappy in, in my role and the, uh, the, the founder was a friend of mine, a, a guy called Tom Wheeler, and uh, he'd worked in the industry for a number of years, and he set up IR Global, and then after a, a few months, he realised that, you know, he was onto a good thing, that he needed some support, and he needed somebody to come along with different skills and different background, uh, different background to him, to come along to, to help complement and to help uh, grow the business, but, you know, I didn't know much about Professional services, um, I knew little, but not a great deal. Um, but I knew what people wanted. I knew that you have to provide clear information. You have to keep things um, as simple as you can. Stick to promises and be as transparent as you can. And that's the same in professional services as it is across any other industry. So my background was sales and marketing, and I just sort of transferred some of those skills into what, into what we're doing now. And to go back, we were obviously talking earlier about communication. That how have you seen that? Obviously, and I suppose particularly over the last few months as well. But how have you found that? Have you found a change over the last sort of five or ten years about how communication has has adapted? Um, I, I think there's been a change of mindset within professional services in terms of marketing and social media. I think that that's been a real change. I think even five years ago, some firms would have some professional services firms would have felt that social media wasn't for them and it wasn't really a platform to, to share information. But I think that that's that has changed. That is a significant shift, certainly from 10 years ago, even from five years ago, professional services firms would have thought, Oh, that's not really us. You know, they wouldn't necessarily have understood that there were different types of platforms. They may have felt that social media was, uh, was more like Facebook. Yeah. I didn't realize, oh, that, you know, Facebook, that's not for us as a professional services firm. Um, but, you know, I think that slowly there's been a realization. Some firms have caught on quicker than others, but certainly in terms of marketing and how you can get information out there, I think that's been, I think that's been the, the, the biggest change. Um, and I guess for firms, what they're looking to do is, particularly on social media, yes, they're looking to show um, professional side and they're working on articles and cases and success stories and legislation changes and uh, you know updated tax information in different jurisdictions uh, and that is certainly very important but they're also looking to humanize their business a little bit more and I think that you've seen a significant shift with that people are trying to be more personable you get more photos on, on people's websites you're almost trying to say look at me I'm an individual I'm not just a, a brand I'm not just a company baseless I am actually an individual and you do actually learn more about individuals so I think there's been more warmth and more openness 
in terms of how firms have projected themselves. And I think that's been the most significant shift in the last few years. And if you, as IR Global, do you feel you guys have also then done similar to, to shift from? Well, I see that that's a, a partly our job um, to communicate that with our members. You know, our members, because they're boutiques and they're mid-sized firms, they don't have huge marketing departments. They don't have a fleet of salespeople or a fleet of business development people or marketing teams. They may have somebody that does it. They may have one, an individual. They may have a small team or it may be um, somebody, uh, a partner in the firm. Maybe, maybe there's five partners in a firm and it, somebody takes it upon themselves to take the lead in, in marketing. So these people aren't experts. So they're looking for guidance from yeah. companies such as ourselves to say, look, this is what you should be doing. This is what, uh, this is what we would recommend. So they're looking to us for guidance. And that's really partly our job to say, look, you know, have you thought about this? I think that you could maybe improve uh, your marketing output by making these, these small changes. Yeah. In, in some ways, professional services firms have been slow to update. But, you know, you have to understand that's their, uh, their, their product and that's their market. They're not trying to release a new perfume. They're not trying to release a new car or a new set of trainers. They are providing a service. And people are, it is built upon trust and understanding. And that is still the greatest commodity that any professional services firm has is its trust and understanding. So you can't lose sight of that. So you don't do sort of whiz-bang uh, and too flashy. You have still got to... You've, got, you've still got to show that professional side, but at the same time, show a bit of warmth and a, and a human side to you as well. Because you're still, fundamentally, you're trying to build relationships and you're looking to get repeat business from people. And the way that you do that is by getting closer to people. Yeah. One of the ways that you get closer to people. Yeah, it's interesting that the, the concept of almost an extension of, you know, I look at ourselves as part of the network, that we're in, in, an extension of that in regard to helping that uh, marketing and development side of things because often i guess you can just look at networks as an opportunity that allows us to knock on someone else's door within the network but it's it's that value add you can add in the middle there as well oh yeah absolutely and we always say to to our members look if you're going to just join a group such as ours just to get work you know that's that's not going to work because if everybody did that <laughs> you would get anywhere so the best way to get work in my opinion is to come and be open to, to say, look, I have got several opportunities here in Asia and I'm looking to partner up with firms in the US and Europe, wherever it may be. So if you can come with an open and giving mentality, then you're much more likely to get work. If you go up to somebody at a conference or in a meeting and you go, oh, by the way, are you, are you looking for any business in here or have you heard about our services? You're just, you're just going to go cold on people. going to go cold on you. But if you actually are interested in them and asking open-ended questions, asking them about their business you're much more likely to get somewhere and now that sounds really obvious but you know you'd be surprised how many people still think oh you know I've got, i'm going to a conference or i'm going to a, a meeting i better project and tell them about my business and get out my messages not without actually really listening to to uh, other people or what they've got to say yeah so one of the questions i was going to go on to was the sort of networking side of things and i guess tips and ideas for, for people and i suppose you touch on it there which is it becomes a two-way street of going listening to what other other people are after and what other people are up other people and other people need as well yeah yeah well absolutely i mean in terms of a group such as ours it's yes of course everyone's looking for referrals everyone's looking for 
businesses. Of course they are. But it is also about you being able to demonstrate to your clients that you have international capabilities. So that's a real value add where you can say to them, look, we're part of a bigger group, a bigger community that can assist them. So yes, it's about getting referrals, but it's also about passing out referrals as well. And as I just mentioned, if you can go there, with, if you do your preparation at a conference or a meeting where you think, actually, I do need some advice or I'm looking for a support in, in the US, in Germany, in China, wherever it may be, you can go there and you can try and pinpoint certain individuals where you think, actually, this person can maybe maybe help me. And then you're much more likely to pick up some work that way. Yeah, the other way around. Yeah. About the preparations uh, as, as much as anything else. And certainly... What you should be doing as well is, is allowing yourself some time afterwards, after the, say, a conference or a meeting, to follow up effectively. Because if you just go to a meeting or a conference and you're not following up effectively, you might as well not get bothered going in the first place. Yeah. I think it was about those three days or four days. And yes, you might have had a nice time, but you come back. Of course, you're tired. Of course, you've got stacks of emails and you've got clients that you've got to call. Everyone understands that. But you do have to put some time aside to actually follow up effectively with the people that you've met there now if you go to a, a meeting or a conference you're not going to have connected with everybody we, we all know that but there may be a handful of people there may be five ten people where you think actually there's some real value there where i can develop the relationship where i can perhaps give them some work or maybe they can give me some work and i can add value to my clients and those are the ones that you have to follow up with yeah effectively and yes it's nice to connect on linkedin that's great, but that's, that's not enough. You need to be staying in touch with people and you need to make sure that you follow up because they may not have a requirement straight away. But they may need you or you may need them in a month's time or in three months' time or in six months' time when something crops up from one of your clients and you do need some support. You think, oh, I remember that person. I remember connecting with that, that lady or that guy at a, you know, that, that seminar that, that I met them at. And if you've stayed in touch effectively with them, it just makes the relationship so much easier to build upon. Yeah, it's been in that, I guess, in that uh, in that eye line, isn't it? Constantly, or not constantly. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that you talk about post-trips. There's something, again, I travel with work, and you, you try and do your file notes as you travel back from it and send some emails, but it's almost maybe on business trips, thinking out loud now. it's You almost want to book your trip and then book book a day out of the office four days after you get back to, to make sure you follow up. On yeah. That. So have like a, a post-travel day out of the office again like you say no, no, no distraction from your existing clients to, to give you yeah, that I, I, absolutely and it's also about setting the follow-up after that because lots of firms will take that advice and will follow up immediately afterwards so maybe you've gone to a seminar and everyone's exchanging business cards and everyone's following up and connecting on on social media immediately afterwards that's great but it's just as effective and just as important that three months later or a month later, you set yourself a reminder to where you reconnect with that person. Oh, do you remember we had a chat? Do you remember, you know, we, we spoke about this particular project or, you know, this particular uh, legislation changes, you know, can you update me on, on what your firm's doing um, about that? Or, you know, here's what we're doing. You may well find that useful. So yes, you have to follow up afterwards, but you also have to set a timetable and an infrastructure in place to follow up few weeks later a few months later so you're staying in touch with people yeah so that reminds me of my february means i've got to go now and do some follow-up <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, another another interesting subject generally le leadership which is uh, i think uh, a very 
or often forgot about skill set obviously from your previous previous job to what you do now that's something that's i guess just part of the day day to day life that that uh, of your of what you do within the business now uh, skills you just things you've built on over the years do you feel it comes naturally to yourself i think uh, i think leadership works two ways uh, particularly at the moment i mean at, at the moment there's a lot of people who are frightened a lot of people who are concerned about the future and you know what we're going through right now in, in early may it's people are more frightened about the unknown and what's going to happen because nobody can predict that that's the thing that people are most frightened of our job at ir global and your job as, a, as an advisor to your clients is you have got to be positive Okay. You have got to be positive about the future and to help them because some of those clients are frightened and some of those clients are looking to you for leadership and for you to say, look, I know we're having a tough time. I know this, you know, this is going to be difficult, but it will be okay. I think it's your job and certainly our job to be pos as positive as we can because if you're projecting your fears onto them, you are not helping. You are yeah. certainly not, not helping at all one little bit. So even if you're not necessarily feeling that positive that day, overwhelmingly, you have to provide a positive message because that is leadership. And maybe you have got to make some changes to your business. Maybe you have got to look at other opportunities. Maybe you have got to look at different sectors or industries. Maybe you have got to change your business um, somewhat because, you know, you're going through a particular time. But this is a time of opportunity as well. Remember. Yeah. And there are some people that are doing very well and will do very well. And there's some people that are finding it hard. We understand that. Nobody's trying to pretend that it's not difficult for some people. But your job, my job, is to be positive and to help. Now, that is leadership. Yeah. Not only internally to, to your staff, but it's also leadership to your clients. Because, they, you know, believe it or not, they are looking for you to help them in these situations and to hold their hand. Yeah, no, very interesting, very true. And when you look at, I suppose, conferences was an important part. As you mentioned, we're in May now, kind of coronavirus and the lockdown. How, how, are, you, how are you guys sort of, again, it's, I guess, a, partly a fundamental part of what you do, the conferences. How are, how are you adapting to that? Yeah, well, I, I mean, yes, we've had to put on pause some of our global conferences and some of our uh, regional meetings. Um, hopefully that's only a temporary measure. Um, we'll certainly we hope so. Otherwise, you you're wiping up whole industries of you know aviation, uh, hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it uh, it will only be um, a temporary measure. But like other firms, we're putting together regional groups. We're putting together practice groups where they're having their own um, virtual meetings. Um, you know, Zoom meetings where they're getting together to talk about, you know, updates and, and to stay connected with each other. And then I think later on this year, we'll probably have our own virtual conference uh, uh, as well. Um, uh, we just got to make sure that, uh, that we adapt. You know, I, I spoke a short while ago about adapting to the circumstances and, uh, and we're no different as well. So we'll probably be having a a virtual conference or a series of virtual conferences because people do still need to stay connected. People still need to understand about different jurisdictions. People will still be, the business will still be going ahead. The world still will be turning and we need to, um, you know, make sure that we're there to support um, yeah. each other. And, as well. and then when things 
change, then maybe we'll keep virtual conferences and those who run alongside our more traditional events as well. Yeah, a blend of both, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, for our listeners and viewers out there, yourself, book-wise, what kind of thing to tick the box for you? Are you a, when you read, do you tend to, or, or listen, or learn, do you tend to do that, or not? Or does it work, or, or nothing? Um, well, right. I know I, I'm a voracious reader. Um, I guess I, I guess I didn't even realise it. I'm in 47 now, and 20 even certainly 25 years ago, I, I would have just read sort of autobiographies and a bit of uh, and a bit of trash. Uh, but that's not that's not the case anymore. I mean, I'm quite quite boring in many respects. I I read sort of 20th century social political history. So, <laughs> It's based upon, you know, fascism or communism or, you know, the build-up to World War II, World War One. you know, the effects, the economic effects of the crash. Um, so that's really stuff that I, I read. So it's quite, it's quite heavy. Yeah. Uh, I need to read many pages at night before, <laughs> before, falling asleep, before falling asleep. But, you know, that, you know that's the kind of stuff uh, that I enjoy. And then if I'm going on holiday, then, yeah, I'll perhaps revert maybe to more of a sort of a trashy novel or read a, a sports autobiography and then I can yeah. see my brain um, at the door. But yeah, it's, it's interesting how you get older, the different things that you suddenly become more interested in. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the same for everybody. And when I speak to a lot of my friends and colleagues, as you get a little bit older, you, your tastes do change and you wake up one day and you're reading a book and you think, how am I reading this book? What, <laughs> how did this happen? But yeah. No, I'm, I'm the same. I, uh, Certainly over the last few years, yeah, it would have just been, you know, a fiction crime novel. And now it's not that I do a lot of read or audio books. I'm more of an audio book. But now, yeah, it's like I say, walking the dog this morning, listening to a psychology book. I'm like, yeah, I need a rain check sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Magazine gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, obviously, we, we touched on the, the, the adapting the business. That was interesting. So just thanks for your time today. I suppose people want to reach out to yourself and to IR Global. How do they do that? What's the best way? Yeah, well, you can contact us. Uh, our website is uh, www.irglobal.com. Uh, my own uh, personal email address, if people want to reach out to me, is ross at irglobal.com. And that's the best way to reach us. All right, great. Well, thanks for your time today. It's much, much appreciated. Super. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Martin. Thanks for listening.